Chapter 6, Part 4, The Curious Lore of Precious Stones. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Curious Lore of Precious Stones by George Frederick Kunz. Chapter 6, Part 4. The Armenians sometimes practiced divination by watching the images that appeared or were supposed to appear on the smooth surface of the waters of a well, and the person who saw such images was called Horniog, he who looks into a well. An Arab woman living in the neighborhood of Constantinople enjoyed a great reputation for her power in this respect and was frequently consulted by armenians and by other dwellers in the turkish capital whoever wished to question this woman regarding the cause of an illness the whereabouts of stolen objects etc usually took along a child of the household and the actual scrying was generally performed by this child who would describe or identify the forms it saw on the water's surface if however for one reason or another no child was brought the witch herself did the scrying. In regard to illness, a distinction was made between natural maladies and those directly caused by some spirit. Should the spirit, peri, supposed to cause the dire malady known as dressev, a kind of consumption, be seen to glide over the surface of the water, the sorceress would find it necessary to invoke the whole race of peris to come to the aid of the patient, who was expected to pay more than the usual fee for this very special service. The peris of Armenian legend were sometimes good and sometimes evil spirits. In the former case, these were supposed to perform the functions of guardian angels, and every one was said to have a peri especially delegated to watch over him. This found expression in the fact that when one Armenian felt at first sight an instinctive sympathy for another, he would say, My peri loves you dearly. Peris chad siretz kezi. In the contrary case, the feeling of antipathy was also attributed to the attitude assumed by the guardian spirit toward the new acquaintance. These spirits were therefore supposed to encourage or discourage greater intimacy with newcomers in accord with the true interests of those over whom they watched. The power to see images in a crystal does not appear to depend to any great extent upon a morbid nervous condition of the seer, for many of the most successful experimenters have been of good and even of exceptionally vigorous physique. Indeed, illness seems to diminish or destroy this power, at least in the case of those who are habitually healthy. This does not imply that some highly nervous or even hysterical individuals have not been favored with crystal visions. Very probably the rule here is the same as in ordinary hypnotism. Those persons who have a strong will and sound nerves are able to hypnotize themselves, while those whose nerves are disordered are subject to the hypnotic influence of others. A well-known lady in New York City, in conversation with the writer a few years ago on the subject of crystal balls, was advised by him to try a ball herself and see what results she obtained. At the end of two years she found that by concentration she had been able to better her understanding of herself, and this effect is not only obtainable now by means of a crystal ball, but by fixing her gaze upon any bright object. 
this visual fixation has centered her whole being in such a way that her health has notably improved what are the laws that govern the production of these phenomena that the visions are real enough has been proven time and again but it seems almost certain that they do not offer anything but the ideas or expressions existing in the minds or optic nerves of the gazers one of the most painstaking students of the subject miss goodrich freer gives many instances in proof of this which show how easy it would be for a less critical observer to suppose that the crystal revealed something unknown to the gazer on one occasion this lady was at a loss to remember the correct address of a friend whose letter received a few days before she had torn up she resorted to her crystal and after a few minutes saw in it in grey letters on a white ground the address she had forgotten she mailed her answer to this address and the reply came duly to hand with the address stamped in grey upon the white paper of the note which was identical with that she had first received the visual impression had been stirred up and externalized itself when she gazed upon the crystal we believe that this explains the larger number of such visions and that the rest are only inexplicable because the scryer has forgotten the source of the impression that is projected on the surface of the crystal it is true that both miss goodrich freer and many other crystal gazers note instances in which the vision appears to represent something the scryer does not and cannot know however even in these cases when carefully examined there is little difficulty in finding an explanation coincidence accounts for much and imagination for more since it is not the vision itself but the memory of the vision that is later brought into comparison with actual facts we all know how exceedingly hard it is to repeat after a short lapse of time all the circumstances and details of any occurrence there is a natural growth and modification of mental impressions due to association of ideas and where there exists the least wish to make the prophecy accord with the event or the vision with the coincident happening this growth and modification will be in the direction of agreement this takes place quite unconsciously and the informant will be fully persuaded that all the circumstances are related exactly as they occurred the attempt to identify either persons or scenes observed by the scryer with real persons and real scenes unknown to him must always be open to the objection that the one who makes the identification has no photographic impression upon which to base his judgment but merely the words of the scryer when we remember what mistakes have been made in identifying individuals from photographs we can easily appreciate the great chances of error entailed by the use of a verbal description of a visionary experience even when the person giving the description is both willing and able to make it as exact and adequate as possible a very impartial witness andrew lang states that in the course of a series of experiments he made in crystal gazing he saw nothing himself but found that a surprisingly large proportion of those who tried were successful in seeing pictures of some sort on the polished surface almost invariably when the gazer fixed his eyes upon the sphere it appeared to grow milky hued and then became black upon this dark background the pictures showed themselves one of the scryers a lady said that as a child she had seen pictures in ink that she had spilled for the purpose 
This method has been much favored by Orientals. While Lang does not quite venture to assert that all the visions reported to him were genuine ones, he inclines to the belief that this was the case with many of them. Experience has shown, however, that not all of those who see pictures in or on a glass or crystal sphere can also see them in ink. Nevertheless, in view of the fact that the crystal sphere is said to appear black to the eye before the pictures are seen, it would seem that some naturally black surface would be particularly adapted for the purpose. An interesting point regarding the phenomena of crystal gazing is the effect produced by magnification upon the images seen or on the crystal ball. As to this matter, there is considerable difference of opinion, for while some experimenters assert that the interposition of a magnifying glass enlarges the image, others have not remarked any difference in its size under these conditions. Indeed, one of the most critical witnesses, Mrs. A. W. Varel, declares that her vision entirely disappeared when she held a magnifying glass before her eyes. On the other hand, we have the case of a subject who had been told, while in the hypnotic state, that he would see a playbill on the crystal. When he was awakened and the crystal ball was placed before him, he said that he could see only detached letters, but when he looked through a magnifying glass he saw all the letters distinctly and read the name of the play in perfect accord with the suggestion. This image may have been reflected from some part of the room where the gazer had not noticed it, and may have been either before or behind the operator. The magnifying glass would naturally make the small condensed letters legible, as a playbill would be many times larger than a crystal ball, and its minute image, naturally too small to read, being reduced by the circular surface. Usually, however, the image is not on the surface of the crystal, but in the beholder's eye. Therefore, when this image appears more clearly under magnification, the result is due to the expectation of the gazer based upon his experience of an invariable rule. This acts as a stimulus upon the visual function, which must be in an exceedingly sensitive state to produce visions at all. When, however, no result or a negative result follows the use of the glass, then we can safely assume that the gazer was naturally of a critical turn of mind, and was disposed to distrust sensual impressions. Hence the glass became a disturbing influence, interfering with or even completely obliterating the eye picture. Many attempts have been made to establish distinctions between the different materials used for crystals, proceeding on the theory that subtle emanations from them affected the gazer and played an important part in producing the desired vision. That the beryl produced a greater number of these visions than any other mineral was the old belief which is still upheld in some quarters today. One scryer, indeed, asserts that his clearest and most satisfactory visions were seen in a cube of blue beryl, the beautiful color appearing to dispose the soul to a harmonious unfolding of its latent aptitudes. Among the instructions given to a would-be crystal gazer, the question of a proper and wholesome diet is not overlooked, as anything which tends to disturb the serenity of the organism will also interfere with the due exercise of the special clairvoyant faculty that expresses itself in crystal visions. 
a curious special recommendation made by one of the exponents of the art is that good results can be had by drinking an infusion of mugwort artemisia vulgaris or of chicory cicorium intibus because of their tonic and antibilious qualities moreover we are told that these herbs are under the influence of the zodiacal sign libra the sign controlling the virtues of the beryl above all the portion of the lunar month when the moon is on the increase is said to be far the best season for scrying as the old astrologers recognized an affinity between the moon and rock crystal the claim is made that the adept at crystal gazing can determine by the apparent difference in proximity of the visions whether they refer to the present or to a more or less remote past or future that is to say are nearer or farther removed in time from the period when the vision appears the distinction between past and future is admitted to offer greater difficulty and a decision as to this point must depend upon a kind of intuitive and undefined impression on the part of the scryer those who have made a sympathetic study of crystal gazing recognize that the visions seen in or on the crystal differ according to the mental and psychic temperament of the scryer two broad distinctions are sometimes established the one class comprising those whose mental attitude is a positive one while the second class includes the passive subjects in the former case the crystal visions are more apt to be symbols denoting some past or future event than a clear picture of the event itself the mentality of the positive subject being perhaps too strong merely to mirror the image cast upon it instead of so doing it transforms the impression received from this image into some symbolic form this process is not however consciously done but the scryer of this type is supposed nevertheless to have an instinctive appreciation of the fact that what he sees is purely and simply a symbol and he proceeds to interpret this in accord with certain generally received rules or in accord with his own personal experience the passive subject, on the other hand, is more apt to see a clear and definite picture of the persons or events revealed to him. Sometimes that picture is distinctly perceptible on or about the surface of the crystal, while at other times the visual perception will be rather indefinite and clouded, although accompanied by a strong mental impression in itself equivalent to that which would have been induced by an actual and objective vision the proper use of the crystal is the prime factor in the art of scrying and great attention is paid to this point by all those who treat seriously of the subject among other things they recognize that freedom from pain or even from a sense of physical discomfort is quite essential for the mind must assume a purely passive and receptive attitude and not be forced to take cognizance of bodily discomfort moreover the nervous system must be in repose for which reason a reasonable time should be allowed to lapse after taking a meal before trying for crystal visions an author on psychomancy affirms that fixing the gaze upon a crystal ball is one of the very best means of bringing out the latent faculty of astral vision and he finds a reason for this in the atomic structure the molecular arrangement of the material 
He does not, however, impart any definite information as to what special structural characteristics render glass or rock crystal particularly efficient in this direction. The help that may be derived from crystal gazing by those who are striving to pierce the veil that separates the real life about us from that spiritual life which is so much more real for those who believe in it is also admitted by many. We cannot refrain from citing here the words spoken by Sir Oliver Lodge at Birmingham, September 10, 1913, before the British Association for the Advancement of Science, affirming his conviction, as a result of scientific investigation of occult phenomenon, that memory and affection are not limited to that association with matter by which alone they can manifest themselves here and now, and that personality persists beyond bodily death. One of the latest types of glass balls for crystal gazing has a small circular flat surface on the sphere. This may possibly be of service in furnishing a better field for the expected vision, and may also lessen the troublesome and baffling reflections which interfere so seriously with the projection of the mental picture. A method that has been recommended to crystal gazers is to place the crystal on a table, protected from the reflections of surrounding objects by means of a velvet screen, and set seven candlesticks with wax tapers in front of the screen. The tapers are then to be lighted, the room being otherwise in perfect darkness, and the would-be scryer is to seat himself comfortably before the table, laying his hands flat upon it, and to gaze fixedly upon the crystal for half an hour or longer. The light from the tapers will certainly ensure a multitude of light points in the crystal, that the molecules forming the sphere may always remain on report with the gazer, he is advised to put it beneath his pillow when retiring to rest. The crystal gazer is strongly advised by some to limit the duration of his experiment at first to five minutes, during which he is to avoid thinking of anything in particular, while keeping his eyes fixed intently upon the ball, but without any undue straining of attention. Should the eyes water after the test is concluded, this is to be regarded as an indication that the gazer has persisted too long for brain fag is to be strictly avoided, as such a state depresses instead of arousing the hidden and higher psychic faculties. Even after considerable practice, the scrying should not be carried on for more than a few minutes at a time. The faculty of visualization plays a most important part in crystal gazing. The image thought to be seen on before or behind the surface of the crystal is in its essence a fancied projection of a purely mental image conceived in the brain. Such an image as is present to the consciousness of many when they call to mind a scene of some vivid past experience or the face of someone they have known and see it as an element of consciousness. When it is possible to externalize this interior vision, then we have at least a beginning of successful scrying, that it may go far beyond this, that it may reveal to the gazer events happening in some distant place, or even events yet to transpire in the dim future, is often claimed. An acceptance of this claim must depend largely upon our attitude towards premonitions and prophecies in general. Here, as in the simple picture evolved by an image of the past, the crystal is merely the background upon which are cast the mind pictures or soul pictures arising within our being. 
a use of crystal gazing to aid literary composition has been reported in the case of an english authoress of note who if she lost the thread of the story she was writing would resort to her crystal and would see mirrored therein the scenes and personages of her tale the latter carrying on the plot in dramatic action aided by this suggestion she was able to resume her composition and successfully terminate her story End of chapter 6, part 4